who was here this morning, who was with us this morning. Just so it's clear, I don't go around nicking car tyres, so your, your, your cars are safe outside. It is a common known habit of my brothers from Liverpool, but that's not me. We left Liverpool before I had a chance to inherit that skill. <laughs> good evening. How are we doing? Are we good? Where's the guy with the hat? Here he is, here. I saw you this morning, and I had a word for you this morning, and then during the service you disappeared. I don't know, what. do you serve in kids' church or something? You disappeared. Couldn't see you. And then I saw you again tonight, and I felt the Lord tell, said, tell you, he is well pleased with you. There is no guilt, shame, and condemnation in Jesus Christ. He is well pleased with you. And I challenge you. I don't know. What's your name? Hezekiah. Hezekiah. What oh, a cool name. I challenge you. I'd love to disciple you and take you on a journey, but I can't because I don't live around here. So anyway, it's far too much work for me, and I'm too lazy. So, so there's a man over there who, who I hear only drinks coffee during the week and works for about an hour on a Sunday morning. And I challenge you to get on his case and, and allow him to take you on a discipleship journey. Amen? Because God, God loves you, brother. He certainly does. Uh, sorry, Greg, I just created you more work. Uh, is that all right? It's always all right when you get the microphone. It's later on it becomes an issue. <laughs> it's, it's the... Um, the young lady that was on stage this morning, is it, is it you You're the one that was dancing? Yeah? Don't stop that. That is awesome. That is really awesome. Don't stop that. But, um, you know, I have had a phobia of people with flags and things in churches <laughs> for years. Right? 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 Like, seriously, like, like there's a lady in a church who would love to bring them back. I'm like, oh, no. no. And she starts with a cup. When she says, but pastor, and I'm like, oh, I'm busy. I've got to go somewhere else. I have to have a lie down now. But that this morning was beautiful. Seriously, that's what the essence of what they did in the 70s and 80s was about, which they lost. Seriously, they lost it because it became a ritual and it became religious, right? But what you've got is something amazing in your heart and it's a gift, all right? And it's really cool. Mm. I hope I hope Greg likes it because <laughs> I just encourage you to do more. <laughs> of course, you should submit to your pastor if, if he t- if he tells you on Monday morning, don't listen to that mad Scotsman. Nobody ever listens to Scotsman. <laughs> I I am going to talk to you about evangelism tonight, and I told you I wouldn't use the e word, but that was just a big fat lie to get you here. And, um, <laughs> But the reality is I, I am an evangelist and I have come to a realization that um, most people hate the word evangelism. About 10% of the church love the word evangelism and that's because God's blessed them to evangelize. The rest of the church hate the word because of the connotations that go with it. And to be honest, I used to hate the word and my biggest stumbling block to me becoming a Christian was evangelists. So there's a bit of an irony in that, isn't there? <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I turn on TV and it'd be some American evangelist. You need to give your heart to Jesus and and credit card numbers too, you know. And it's like, oh, whatever, you know. And, and I hated that. And but I I believe that before I'd even given my heart to the Lord, He was working in my life, and He was revealing something to me that is actually not of Him. It's actually repulsive of Him to say, give your heart to the Lord and your credit card number at the same time. Seriously, it is. You know, God doesn't need your money. He needs your heart. Yeah? And so we need to recognize that. And, uh, and so I recognized from even before I became a Christian that the word evangelism was a stumbling block to people. And so it's been on my heart ever since I've been a Christian to actually, how do you communicate to people about how to evangelize without that word and the connotations that go with it. And the Lord placed some simple things on my heart. And when I tell you these in a little while, you're going to go, we came out for those? That's so simple. I mean, everybody knows that. But the reality is the gospel of Jesus Christ is incredibly simple. That is so, so simple. 
But uh, I want to um, share a couple of testimonies with you tonight. Um, a couple of years ago, we were traveling. Um, uh, we went to Malaysia and then on to the UK. And then when we were in Malaysia, I went out for... Uh, we had to stop in Malaysia because Claire needed surgery or something. So anyway... <laughs> um, she was all right. She was in the hospital, and I went out with with this this couple. She was fine. She was all right. She she was so high on drugs she didn't even know. Like, like I went out with her bridesmaid and her partner. For you all judge me, right, right. And we went out for tea. Now Claire's bridesmaid was or is a Buddhist, and her partner, um, who. She's divorced from her husband, and her new partner that she's living with is a Hindu, right? So we've got Buddhists, we've got divorce, we've got Hindus, we're in an Islamic country, right? There's not an awful lot of Christian stuff going on here, is there? Right? Now, now you need to get the context of where we're at and what's going on. So we're in this Islamic country, and I'm out for tea. Sorry, am I boring you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll wake you up. So, um, Sweepo is sitting next to Baskar, and she's and I'm sitting like there, and she's going, and I'm going, what are you doing? She's going, ask him, ask him. Now you have to know the context. She never knew the answer to the question that she was telling him to ask him. Get, guess what it was. Ask him to tell you his testimony. So we're in an Islamic country and we have a Buddhist telling a, a Hindu to ask a Christian his testimony. If you ever needed proof that God can work through anybody, it was right there. It was right there. Now, I'm not sitting there going, I'm a pastor, ask me questions, you know, I've got all the answers, it's not a problem, I know this thing backwards, you know, I can read it in this original languages, what, what, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I should have been a professor really, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not doing that kind of stuff, I'm actually, so the context of where we are at, is we're at golf and country club, so I'm going, ooh, golf, golf, ooh, 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 ooh. Oh, where's the pro shop? Shiny things. Oh, nice. Right. That's the context of where we're at. And so I'm not even thinking God. I'm not even thinking Christianity. I'm thinking golf. And we've got a Buddhist ask, telling a Hindu to ask a Christian what their testimony is. Do you know what the key to that was? The Christian's heart was, here I am, use me. And, I, and if you've got a heart, to be used by God, he can do the miraculous wherever you are. Yeah? So you have to, you have to catch that. And I, I really believe you need to catch that because it breaks off one of the major things that stops people sharing the gospel, and that's fear. But what if? Well, I wasn't even in my pastoring mode. You know, I hadn't even put my pastor hat on. I was actually I had my golf hat on, and I'm like, ooh, shiny things. And I'm, I'm thinking me, 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 self, and me, and I, and, and never mind anybody else. And Claire won't know how much I've spent at the pro shop because she's high on drugs in hospital. She'll be fine. They're looking after her, really. And, and this is the context we're in. And, and here we are, a Buddhist telling a Hindu to ask a Christian. And we are scared to talk to people with a Christian heritage in a Christian country about Jesus. Yeah? We need to get past that somehow or other. And this, e this evening I want to impact, uh, impart three simple keys to you. And I've entitled this hashtag reach. And I really encourage you, if you're into social media, just put hashtag reach on your Instagram, Facebook, whatever they are, things. And pose the question. Let people ask you what it means. Because if you've got a heart to be used by God, God will use that hashtag. People will start to ask you, what does that mean? What's that about? You know, it might be one person. It might be loads. I don't know. But, but do stuff to start reaching your community. 
this evening I want to encourage you and give you some keys. Now, I'd love to talk to you about what the gospel is. And I was so happy when Pastor Greg said this morning that it's been on his heart just recently about what's the gospel. And, I, and so I'm not even going to try and unpack all that. I'm going to leave that for Pastor Greg to, for another day. But I just want to show you uh, five points to stand out and what the gospel is. Jesus said, peace be with you. Don't doubt. Receive the Holy Spirit. Go into all the world and preach the good news. And in Luke 24, he said this, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for their forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Peace be with you. Don't doubt. Receive the Holy Spirit. Preach the, preach the gospel in all the world and it's beginning in Jerusalem. Beginning in Jerusalem. So where is Jerusalem? So exactly, spot on. It's where they were. That's where he said it. Beginning in Jerusalem. So where's your Jerusalem? My Jerusalem is in fielding. Your Jerusalem is here. Your Jerusalem is your workplace, your university, your school, your home, your community around about you. It's ex exactly where you're at. We don't need to be looking for some, oh, when I get to Jerusalem. No, you're already at Jerusalem. You're already there. So in other words, what he's saying is, if I can paraphrase this a little bit, he's saying rebuke fear, embrace peace, have faith with the power of the Holy Spirit and share the gospel where you are. Simple that. The problem is, most people don't know what this means. Most people don't know, and so I'm going to share three simple steps with you. It's so, so simple. Number one, you're going to take notes. So loads of you got pens and paper. That's really cool. Number one, pray for people. Everything starts with prayer. All right? Everything starts with prayer. My wife is an intercessor. So that's really cool because that means I don't need to pray. <laughs> now, if that was true, which it isn't, <laughs> I could just sit back in my laurels and, and, and wait for my wife to pray because she's an intercessor. An intercessor just means that she's called to pray in a specific way. It doesn't mean that I don't have to pray because I'm not called to be an intercessor. If you ask me when I pray, I would usually say to you all the time because to me, life is prayer. A life with Christ is almost constant prayer. So, Pray for people. Just make your prayer a little bit more targeted. You know, If there's people in your workplace you want to reach, be praying for them. People in, in your social club, be praying for them. Pray for people. Number two is care for people. I was at a conference a number of years ago, and one of the guest speakers said, uh, it was a conference for pastors, and he said, if you don't love people anymore, get out of ministry. I'd like to qualify it a little bit more. If you don't love people, you can't actually call yourself a Christian. Ouch. That's what evangelists do. They hit you with an ouch. <laughs> the reality is we are actually called to love people. And if you're struggling to love people, probably there's a few things going on like um, unforgiveness, things like that. And you need to work on that area. But the reality is we're called to love everybody and it is possible to love everybody. You notice that the gospel calls to love people who don't say we need to like them? Yeah? There's a massive difference. There's a man in our local town. I won't tell you his name because you maybe drive past it one day. You might meet him. Um, <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, he persecuted me uh, worse than I've ever been persecuted in my entire life. And he still does to this day, but I'm quite happy to go and buy him a coffee in a cafe if I see him walking by. How can I do that? Well, it took me a lot of, please forgive him, lords. Uh, I had to get a realization of 70 times 7 means about every three and a half minutes of the day. And, um, I had to get that in my spirit. And, and I had to work hard at that. 
But today I can tell you, do I like the man? No. Not at all. I don't like his character. I don't like his behavior. I don't like his attitude. You know, I, there's lots of things I don't like about the man, but I can say I love him in Christ, and I'm prepared to even spend time with him in Christ. Why? Because I worked on the area that meant I wasn't loving him in Christ, which was unforgiveness. And you know how long it took me to get there? Well, it took me about a year before I actually put it in place. So it was a year and about three weeks. That's as long as three weeks once I had a realization that actually he's causing me to be worse off than I really am. And actually, I don't want to be the person that he's causing me to be. I'm going to set him free so that I can be free. So we can love everybody. And I, and I seriously mean that. If I can love that man, you can love anybody, you know, um, because he still persecutes me to this day. You know, but I don't care. My God's big. Amen. You know, so um, pray for people, care for people. And you care for people is because you love people. And the third thing is share. Pray, care, share. So we need to share the gospel. So that sometimes brings us the question, begs the question, what is the gospel? And I'm going to tell you some stuff tonight you might find really, really hard to take. You don't need this to share the gospel. Seriously, I love the Bible. I read it, I digest it, it sets me free. I absolutely love this book. It's alive, it speaks to me, it nourishes me. I absolutely adore the Bible. Why am I telling you you don't need the Bible? Because the time the church grew the fastest and the most prolific was in the first 300 years after Christ. They didn't have the Bible. It became canonized, which in other words means the books, the church decided the books together were going to be into it, was in the, the 4th century, 300 and something, so the 4th century, before they decided which were, which were just letters before that and you know, things like that. Before it came together, the church exploded. And now it can actually tie us down because we have fear, the thing I talked to you about at the beginning. But I don't know the scriptures well enough. What if they ask me a question? I'll come to that in a little while, all right? You don't actually need the answers because you're not doing it in your strength. Amen. Yeah? That's really, really important. You don't need to know the Bible backwards. I mean, that used to be one of the things that tied me up in knots. I, I, had, to, you know, I had this desire in my heart to, to share the, the good news. And I was working at a, an engineering company called Fitzroy Engineering, which is really, really interesting because we were down at Titahi Bay today. Claire's got an assignment to put in, taking photographs. And this car pulls up. When it's, now, bear in mind, Fitzroy Engineering is a Taranaki company. This car pulls up. It says Fitzroy Engineering on the side of it. I thought, coincidence <laughs> not <laughs> so I'm working at this company called Fitzroy Engineering it's a heavy engineering company when I worked for them I was the IT manager for them and they were there so that means I wear a shirt and tie and I go to work in a heavy engineering company right so number one I'm the geek that nobody wants to talk to right <laughs> number two I'm the Christian who wants to talk to everybody about God in an environment where they will strip you naked, grease you up, and tie you to the poles outside. And I'm not joking, that had actually happened to some people, tied them out on State Highway 45 with no clothes on, with only a little bit of grease to hide some of their dignity, and left them there for the entire day. Not for five minutes, for the entire day. And bear in mind that all the offices were right there, so all the ladies working in the offices, so everything was going on. Uh, That's the environment. So when I say it's a man's, man's environment, I'm not joking. You couldn't have a conversation with people without the four-letter words being in every sentence. Not every conversation, every sentence. You, you walk down the corridors to the, the parts department and there was pornography down both sides of the walls. It was everywhere. It was a tough place to be a Christian and I was a new Christian. And I had this desire in my heart to share the good news of Jesus Christ with everybody in there. And at that point, that company was the largest heavy engineering company in Australasia. There was over 500 men working in the workshop alone. And my office was at, right at the end of the office blocks 
and it opened out in a corridor that was on the main workshop body. On the way to the canteen, so all 500 of them went past my office every day, several times. And I had this desire to share the good news. So I went to my minister and said, I don't know what to do. He says, have you prayed about it? And I said, of course I've prayed about it. He looked at me and he went, really? No, I haven't prayed about it. (laughs) Because we all know, don't ask God questions when you don't actually like the answers. So if you've you've played God a little bit and you've worked out what answers he's going to give you and you didn't like the answer, then you just don't ask the question. You know, like... I mean, come on. Like, so he said, so he was one of those kind of people that, um, you know, he can just looked at you and you went, yeah, I'll, I'll pray. And he was just such a godly man. You know, it's like, oh, why couldn't we just have a boring, horrible minister? Like the, the noise Bible or something, you know. But he knew God. And he says, well, if you pray, God will give you opportunities. So I can put my hand on my heart and say for the next three years or whatever it was from there to when I went off to theological college, two and a half to three years, whatever it was, every day I prayed, which was almost every day, there was the odd day I forgot, but every day I prayed, I had an opportunity to share my faith with somebody in that building. And I never initiated any of the conversations. God did. All the pornography disappeared. I never asked for any of it to disappear. It all disappeared. People would have conversations with you that were just outstanding and civil. Never asked anybody. I haven't got a problem with people swear. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. But people's language changed. When it came to leaving that, that company, I, I had in my heart to go the extra mile, and I'm, I'm like pondering, what does that mean? And, and I had to give an, a month's notice. So I thought, well, I'll give two months' notice. And uh, uh, the first month of those two months' notices that I gave was like working my notice. And in the second month of the, of the notice, I didn't do any work at all. In fact, it was so little work, I had to get a contractor to come in and do my job for me. And anybody who knows a contractor is an it or fairly expensive, my boss signed that off and never blinked an eye. He was the equivalent, it wasn't called a pastor, I don't know what they call him in the Jehovah Witness Church, but he was the equivalent of a pastor in a Jehovah Witness Church. He never blinked an eye, just signed it off. Because for that month leading up, I had people literally queuing outside my office to come and talk to me about, not just about God, about all sorts of things, about their life, their marriage, what's going on, you know, this God's conversation we had with a few months ago, can you tell me more about it? And I never initiated any of that. What I did was pray. I prayed, and I cared for people, and then I shared what was on my heart with them. Pretty simple, eh? Really, really simple. And uh, we need to realize that, that when we have a heart to reach people, we, have, we love people, and if we're struggling to love people, Ask God why we're struggling to love them and then deal with the why and the how and then, and then love them. But if we've got a heart to reach our community, all we need to do is start with prayer and God will create the opportunities. And then when we recognize the opportunities there, we just need to step into it. Break off fear. You don't need to know your Bible backwards. If you do, Great. One of the biggest turnoffs that I have ever seen is when somebody asks you a question and you don't know the answer, but you don't go, oh, I don't know the answer to that one. You make it up. Or you try and waffle a little while. It's actually quite unattractive. It's not very nice. You know, have you ever been in a shop? This is what it's like. Have you ever been in a shop and you're in there and you ask the sales assistant a question and clearly they haven't got a clue what the answer is, but they give you one anyway. Has anybody ever, you ever been there? Yeah. That's what it's like when Christians are asked the God question and they don't know the answer, but they give an answer anyway. You know, we've all got this inbuilt radar inside us. It's a radar. <laughs> <laughs> you, are you, you, 
you're, you're quite worldly in here. You knew what that meant. <clears throat> awesome. Well, a cool church. It means it's a real church. You know, but the reality is people pick up on it. People know when you're not authentic. Being authentic is attractive. Yeah? One of the most powerful things you can do, and, th- and this is how we can flip things on its head, right? So if, if I'm trying to reach Greg with the gospel and Greg asks me a question and I don't know the answer, fear tells me, I've, oh, I've got to come up with an answer. I've got to come up with an answer. I've got to come up with an answer. Fear comes from the devil. And I make up an answer and it's unattractive. Devil goes, ha, gotcha. He doesn't believe you anymore. One of the most powerful things that we can do is rebuke fear and go, Greg, I've no idea what the answer to that question is. But you know what? I know a man who does. So if it's all right with you, I'm going to go and ask him and I'll get back to you on that. What have you just created? A second God opportunity. Yeah? We just turned it on its head. From, from we're thinking, my word, I'm stuffing up this God opportunity, fear, 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 to no, the man now respects me because I've got integrity and now there's a second, a second opportunity to speak to him about God so he's had a little bit of time to process what's been going on and now he's probably got even more questions which is even awesome. You know, he can, this conversation is going somewhere. There's momentum to this. Fear, whenever you have fear, you need to rebuke it and release peace. Jesus combated many things in the Bible by releasing the opposite spirit that was at work. Yeah? So we need to realize that, that um, you know, as much as I love this Bible, we don't need to know backwards to share the gospel. The printing press didn't come into play until 1526 the printing press was invented. So for the first 1,500 years of Jesus being on this earth, 1,500 years later, before the printing press was invented, sorry, 1440 it was invented, the first English copy was 1526. Did you know even for a couple of hundred centuries after that, in most Western churches, when the scriptures were opened up in church, the, the priest would stand with his back to the congregation and he would read without a microphone. He would read to them in Latin. And most people in those days were illiterate. So there was no need for them to have a Bible. And they didn't, because they were illiterate, they didn't go to school. And because they didn't go to school, they didn't learn to speak Latin. So really, what they had was some dude with his back to them reading in a foreign language. Tongues is very effective, you know. So the reality is it's only actually in the last couple of hundred years that the Christian church has actually had this in their hands. And yet, in the Western world, globally, the church is growing faster than we've ever seen. But in the Western world, it is slowing down. And I think it's because we are being by gripped by fear, partly because we think we don't know it well enough, when the reality is it's not the book we need to know it's the author of the book we need to know. Come on. Yeah? You get that? It's actually a relationship with the author. So up until this point, what good news were they sharing with people? Testimony. Yeah? That's all they had. All they had was testimony. Some of the churches had a letter from Paul. They didn't have any of the other stuff. You know, most of the letters from Paul were quite rebuking. <laughs> If you got a letter in those early years from the Apostle Paul, it was probably because you, um, you, know, you were needing a bit of a jolly good telling off. <laughs> and he used to say things like, you know, those churches down the road, they've got it together. You haven't. You need to be doing this. You know, come on, get your act together. So that was what they had, you know. Can you imagine going up? Um, I've just had this letter from, from uh, my uh, professor at university, and he said that my last assignment sucked. Um, would you like to give your heart to Jesus? 
kind of what it was like. It was a bit like that. So, but the reality is, what they were doing was they're going up and go, you know, there's this guy called Jesus. He was dead, but now he's alive. I know it sounds pretty wacky, but let me tell you what he's done in my life. He has set me free, he's healed me, he's done this, he's done that, whatever your testimony is. And before you go, I haven't got a testimony, everybody's got a testimony. How do you know you've got a testimony? Ask yourself the question, where would my life be today if Jesus wasn't in my life? I'd be surprised if I was still married. Well, I wouldn't because I married the best woman in the world and she'd probably put up with me, I don't know. But anyway... um, just saying but the reality is where would you be today if Jesus wasn't in your life it's quite a sobering question isn't it and you know what it does it it breaks off pride it breaks pride and you know what pride does pride brings judgment so what's your name dude so let's say I'm trying to reach Kirk and I'm looking at him going, look at this guy. I mean, I've got it all together because I've got Christ in my life and, and like, come on, like, can't you see, you know? But look at Kirk. Man, have you seen the things that he's done? You know? And now that's a stinking horrible attitude that I've got and now I'm going to try and reach him for Christ? Come on. It's virtually impossible. Right? Because his inbuilt sense of discernment, because before you've got a Christian, before you're a Christian, you can have discernment. He's going to pick up, who does he think he is? Coming and telling me, you know, you're a miserable sinner. Come on. Get your act together, man. What's wrong with you? You should be more like me. Look at me. I'm perfect. <laughs> Pride. Judgment. Not attractive, is it? Where would I be without Christ in my life? Man. Should we all go and have a beer and sit down in a pub somewhere and I want to have a wee chat with you, man. Come on. Come on. You know? Break off some of these religious things. You do it in the pub. Do you know Charles Wesley one of the most famous hymn writers ever. Do you know most of his hymns are written to pub tunes? Seriously? And we won't go to the pub and talk to people? Doesn't mean we have to go and get drunk. That's not a cool thing to do. It doesn't mean we can't go in and talk to people. Come on. Break off religion. Why was Charles Wesley's stuff so successful? Because the people of the time recognized the tune. Be in tune with the people of the time. Amen? How does the Bible word that? Be in the world but not of the world. That's how the Bible phrases it. So take the pressure off. We don't need to know the Bible backwards. We love the Bible. It's awesome, right? Yeah, I, I can't emphasize that enough. I am a Bible guy, you know? I love it the bits. But don't, don't, don't let it paralyze you because you might not know one of the answers to the questions. I can tell you now, I've got a degree in theology and uh, I majored in biblical studies. And to this day, the seminary I went through, to this day, as far as I'm aware, I'm still the most heavily weighted biblical scholar that did that degree. And I don't know half the questions. I don't even know what the questions are, far less the answers. Come on. We don't know it backwards. Why don't we know it backwards? Because it's actually alive. Yeah? Come on. Because it's not static, you can't know all the answers. You won't know. If you knew all the answers, your name would be God. Yeah? Uh, Stop playing God and get on with just playing you. Because you's quite cool too. So take the pressure off. Here's one if, you, if you're on your social media, if you got bored, now you're on Facebook. Here, here's one for you. You can put this on Facebook if you like. Don't worry about what you don't know. Simply share what you do know. 
The fear of fear crippling us with what we don't know will always cripple you because you'll never know all the answers. It's impossible to know all the answers. We often talk about what would you ask God when you get to heaven, you know? And people say, oh, I would ask him this and I would ask him that, you know? I don't think we'll ask him anything. I think we'll just worship him, you know? I think we'll get to heaven and realize all this, what was the answer to this was just, well, who cares? Do you know the non-Christian doesn't actually expect you to have all the answers? Seriously, they don't. They don't expect you to have all the answers. They haven't got all the answers to anything, you know. Just be you. Be real. So don't worry about what you don't know. Simply share what you do know. Be real. So sharing the gospel doesn't mean you need to know Mark, Luke, John, Matthew, inside out. You don't need to. It's pretty cool if you read it, though. It is alive. It will speak to you. But you don't need to know it backwards. You need to know the author really well. So rather than being put off, simply engage. When you stop to think about it, it's really interesting. The one way of thinking brings fear. Oh, What if somebody asks me a question I don't know the answer to? It brings fear. Where does fear come from? And one way, I don't need to know all the answers. I just need to know the author. Brings peace. Which way do you think is God's way? Just a thought. Simply share the good news. Some small story of what Jesus has done in your life. It's as easy as that. And I've got some examples of how you can start that conversation real easy. Monday morning. Most of you work or go to university or something or school or something like that. Most of you will be going somewhere tomorrow morning, yeah? You know one of the cool things that happens on a Monday morning? Happens almost every Monday morning in every workplace. It'll be, hey man, what did you do on the weekend? Oh man, I had such a cool weekend. Really? Yeah, Sunday morning was awesome. Why? What did you do Sunday morning? We listened to this crazy Scotsman. Couldn't understand a <laughs> word he said. But my word, he was cool. Where was that? Oh, that place they call The Rock. What's that? It's a church. Oh, come on, man. You're not one of those. No, no. It's not like you, you used to think it was. This is really cool. This is a modern happening place. Who, these guys really have a relationship with Jesus. This is authentic. You know? And the reality is they initiate the conversation. Hey man, what are you doing on the weekend? It happens at Smoko on Monday mornings all over the country. And it's so easy to just, you know, just start the conversation. Don't mention God. Just start talking about your weekend. You know? Be honest. Be real. Other things you can do is... Um, you know, you can expand that a little bit. You could tell them about um, this Scottish guy. He gave um, he gave two words of knowledge on Sunday morning. One was for a guy with chronic back pain, and this guy responded. Well, his wife did actually, but but this this guy responded, and um, we prayed for him. It was really cool. And then he had this other word of knowledge for some person who had anxiety problems, and that person came up after the service and says, "That was me." And you know the really cool thing? He said, I know. Because I did. Because God told me beforehand. You can, there's my testimony. You can have it. It's yours. Go and share it with people. Right? Because it's a real thing that happened here this morning. So when people ask you on Monday morning, what happened on the weekend? You can share that. I believe that person's set free. How cool is that? You know? We've got a loving God who wants to help us. He doesn't make this hard. He makes it easy, you know. So there's a couple of testimonies there right away. Even better, use a real fresh testimony in your life. Because one of the things when I was at theological college, one of the things I discovered was, because uh, I was a pain in the neck at theological college, I used to ask questions, but why? 
I'm sure half my lecturers cringed when I walked through the door because um, uh, I went to a strange theological college. Um, there was even lecturers where, where we had classes. I had a, a class on the book of Job and we were told we weren't allowed to say it was Satan that was causing the problems. And I'm like, but it says that in the text. <laughs> and this lecturer who was a, let's just say she was a tad liberal, uh, turned around and glared at me when I actually thought, hmm, is this Satan? <laughs> I thought he was a bloke. <laughs> Seriously, she was scary. She said, if you write in there that it was Satan or anything about that Jesus stuff in here, you will fail this paper. Anyway, I couldn't help myself, but I passed anyway, so it was all good. <laughs> I went to quite a, a staunch seminary where we were challenged to the core. My theological lecturer, I actually questioned him, asked him if he believed in Jesus, because, well, that's what I do, you know, I ask people about Jesus. <laughs> Still to this day, not sure about what the answer was. But anyway, it's another story. But I wouldn't be settled with just taking things because they were said. I wanted to know more. You see, I was hungry for an intimate relationship. It wasn't until years later that I realized what I was really hunting for was a really intimate relationship with Jesus. But what I discovered was, because I used to use a lot of testimonies, examples when I was arguing with his lecturers because they were really learned people. You know, they all had doctorates and things and, and I was a nobody and, you know, they would put on their best professor voice when clearly they were losing the argument. And, um, and so I discovered really early on that these very, very learned people couldn't argue with testimony. They couldn't actually argue with, but God did this in my life. My experience is personal testimony is what the, the, the New Testament church exploded on. Personal testimony is unrefutable. Personal testimony cannot be shot down in flames and argued by somebody else because you're not saying, this happened in your life, can you not see it? You're saying, this happened in my life. It is my experience. And you can't argue with somebody's experience. Personal testimony is really important. So when you experience God in a way, journal about it, write about it, do something about it, mark it, tell somebody about it. You know, one of the easiest ways to remember something is to, to tell somebody about it. That's why I said this morning for all those people that responded this morning, is go and tell somebody else about it. Because basically what they're doing is they're creating a memory. At this point in time, God impacted my life. They're making it become more and more real. You've, have you ever had an experience where God's done something in your life and you went, whoa, that was really cool. And then not too long later, you've got, oh, maybe it wasn't God. Anybody ever thought that? That's the devil going, hey, nah. Hey, nah. But you know, if I was to go, you know, I just had this experience. It might sound a bit weird, but I just felt like God just told me this. Then it's now become prophetic because I've spoken it. I've not only spoken it, but I've also heard it. I've also experienced it. I'm actually now walking in it. I'm now believing in it because I've now stepped out in faith and I've told somebody else about it. It becomes so real in your life that it becomes unrefutable. And when people try and challenge you about it like the devil, you go, nah. Clear off. I've read the end of the book. You lose. Because you're becoming bold. You become, you know, there's something builds inside of you when you start to speak out the word of God. So when you've got a testimony and you're talking to a non-Christian about it, you know, it's like, you know, I prayed about this and, and there was this trouble in my life and I just asked God for more wisdom and, and would you believe it? He actually gave me more wisdom and the answers came to me and boom. We've got a, we've got a solution, man. How cool is that? Pray for people. Care for people by loving them, looking after them. 
Another way to care for people was to be generous. My wife teaches me this all the time. I was actually saying to one of her elders, see, see, I'll give you an example. Last Sunday we had guest ministry and, and um, Claire said to me, she's, she whispers to me on the front row, she's awesome, she says, because this, this person had a real gift for reaching young people. She says, how about we all go down to McDonald's for lunch instead of taking them out for lunch and we'll invite all the young people. Now, last weekend was my birthday. So so I said, oh, all right, yeah. I'm thinking, I don't want to go to McDonald's. But it's not my birthday, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but Claire's got this generous spirit, you know. She's, so, so I get up there and she goes, um, you could shout them. <laughs> so now it's come out of her mouth. She actually said it out loud. She didn't write my note and pass it to me. She actually said it out loud. And, and she's on the front row as well. So like everybody else has now heard this, you know. It's like, oh, man. You know, but we went to McDonald's and made an awesome time, didn't we? Be generous. Don't be like me. Be generous. I can't help but be generous because I live with Claire and I catch it. I just catch it. But you know, generosity is one of those things that's attractive. It really is. You know, have you ever been for a coffee with somebody and you, you say, hey man, you want to go for a coffee? And they go, yeah, cool. Right, so um, they've, I've invited you, right? So, you know, I go along. He's thinking, oh, he's going to shout me coffee. It's cool. I get in the coffee. Uh, can I have a, a long black? What would you like? Um, flat white or something? A mocha. Oh, well, yeah, a mocha. Huh? Yeah, I'll have a mocha. I'll have a what? A mocha. <laughs> right. So, so and, then, and then suddenly my hands are in my pockets. You ever been in a situation like that? You think, you tight. <laughs> we won't mention the rest of that because we're in a Christian environment. <laughs> But it's not attractive, isn't it? It's just not attractive. Be an attractive Christian, you know? You've got a generous heavenly father. He's calling you to be more like his son, Jesus. Jesus didn't have deep pockets. He couldn't. Yeah, imagine Jesus going to, hey, disciples, come on. We're going to... We're going to Pop down in the cafe for a cup of coffee and um Peter, you got any money? <laughs> no. He says <laughs> you just pinched him. <laughs> hey Peter, where's the money? Oh Judas he pinched it. <laughs> another story <laughs> alright here's another question where's God you're going to hear my amber <laughs> did you hear it singing <laughs> so where's God where is he everywhere are you sure Is he at this table? How can he be there? <laughs> guess, guess who's not getting tea tomorrow? <laughs> I'm not going to ask if he's at this table. <laughs> Is he here? Yeah? What about over there? Is he over there? Yeah? Okay. Remember that. He's everywhere, yeah? Okay. So if I've got to go and share the good news with you, and I'm going, oh, I'm not sure about that, but isn't God already there? Come on. He's already in that situation. He's already working in that situation because he's everywhere all the time. Amen. We believe that. So we shouldn't be fearful in stepping into a situation because he's already there. Yeah? Set you free? The lives of the people that you're trying to encounter, well, God's already at work in those lives. My own testimony 
if I was to go into it in depth, I could tell you about encounter after encounter after encounter after encounter where there was God moments. And the reality is I knew there were God moments. And they were happening years before I gave my heart to Jesus. And I knew as a non-Christian they were God moments. God was at work in my life before I gave my heart to him. He's pretty cool. When you're encountering people, you need to just, I, I like to think about the opposite way around about. Rather than think that God's over here and fearful, is he going to come with me when I go to encounter that person? Right? Again, turn it on its head. No, God's already there. I'm going to step into his presence. Yeah? So, so the reality is, if, <laughs> if God is already in the situation, turn it around about. Don't think, is he going to go with me? You know, God's not a big meanie God. He's not going to abandon you just when you actually do the very thing he's calling you to do, to step out in faith. He's not going to go, hey, hey, Peter, come over here, watch this. Look, David's just about to step out in faith. Watch this. I'm not going with him. <laughs> yeah, he, well, he expects me to go into that situation. Yeah, nah. No, the opposite is true. He's already there. And so flip it on its head and think, it's not a case of, will he come with me? No, no, he's there. I'm going to step into his presence. It's really freeing. Really, really freeing. You know, you think about healing. It's about stepping into his presence when you pray for healing. Because the reality is, I can pray for people for healing, but I'm just me. But when I step into his presence, it's me and God. And actually he does it, just does it through me. And boom, it's cool, eh? You know, and that way he gets the glory, you know. Otherwise it's me and it's not about me. Step into his presence. These, are these things okay? Is that all right? Quite freeing, eh? It's about turning things around. But I had a revelation a few years ago that um, Jesus released the opposite spirit in situations and I thought this is so cool so when you're dealing with some stuff so if I want to go and reach this lady I forgot your name Bob so this lady over here called Bob if I want to reach her for Christ right and I'm I'm covered in fear well I actually need the opposite spirit of fear I need peace Lord I rebuke that fear and I release your peace in my life, amen, and then step into it, you know? Um, release the opposite. If you're thinking, is God going to go with me? No, no, he's already there. If I want him, I need to catch up. I'm going to step into his presence. Release the opposite. Do the opposite. of what well, The devil is not very clever. He's actually quite stupid, really. And some of his tactics are actually so dumb that we just need to take a moment to think, actually... We've, we've actually got the authority to deal with this. Actually, I've read the end of this book, and he lost. He's already defeated. He only has power in your life if you allow him to have power in your life. So how about we take the authority that Jesus has given us and say, yeah, nah, we win. He wins, and we're on his side. He's pretty cool. So step into what he's got on, on offer for you. Rather than ask, hey, go around being bound up by, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to say. How about we just ask him, Lord, as I step into this encounter, can you speak through me? Can you give me the words? Can you give me the peace to not be rattled by this? Can you give me the boldness to step out in faith? Can you just speak through me, Lord? Because I'd rather they heard you than me. Amen. Quite simple, really. You know, takes the pressure off. Becomes about him, not about you. So the simple things, pray, care for people, and then share with people. It's as simple as that. Pray, care, share. Here's one again, you want to put this on social media. I'm into social media tonight. I actually hate Facebook. And I'm, and I'm, a, I'm in a love-hate relationship with Facebook at the moment. And I, I'm in the hate phase. And, um, <laughs> uh, I usually go hate, really, really hate, um, tolerate. 
<laughs> I didn't go back to it. I don't like it anymore. But um, <laughs> but you can put us on Facebook if you like it. It's all good. Uh, if you talk to people about God, it actually becomes easier to talk to people about God. <laughs> That's not... Did I do it the wrong way around? If you talk to God about people, it becomes easy to talk to people about God. I did it the wrong way around. Oh, you all laughed the first time, so you, that, that just proves you're not even listening. <laughs> it still works. Of course it works. It's a God thing. But seriously, if you're praying for people, in other words, you're talking to God about people, there's something shifts, and it actually becomes easy when it comes when that God moment comes. It actually becomes easy to talk to those people about God because you've spent time in prayer. Yeah. So talk to God about people. It becomes easy to talk to people about God. Number two. So pray. One's pray. Took care. Look out for people. Be generous to people. Look for opportunities to help people. We are in a living world that, that, that actually is all about me, myself, and I. It's about what can I get out of this relationship? What can I get out of this job? What can I get out of this church? What can I get out of this whatever? You know, um, it's all about me, 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 me. You know, we all become like those little birds in Finding Nemo. Like, mine, 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 mine. It's not about you. It's actually all about him. How about we look for opportunities to serve people? What can we do to care for them? How can we help them? Have a generous spirit. If you haven't got a generous spirit, just brush up against Claire when you're going out. It rubs off, I can tell you. She's got a really generous spirit. When you draw close to God, when you get intimate with him, you start to act like him without trying. He's loving, he's generous, he's kind. You find yourself becoming loving, generous and kind and caring for people. So once you've been praying for people, you've been talking to God about people, and then you're caring for people, you're doing kind things for them, then the sharing part, the part that people get bound up in fear, actually just comes natural. Because you've done the groundwork. That pray, care, share thing, it just naturally happens. If you're asking God to intervene in somebody's life, if you're praying to him about people, he will create God opportunities. Just like I said, when I worked at Fitzroy Engineering, um, I prayed for God moments. And every single day I prayed for that, he created a God moment. Now, I'm not saying that every day you pray, he'll create a God moment. Because he may work slightly different in your life. But I know in my life it was every single day I prayed for that. He created a God moment. But I know if you genuinely pray and you have a heart to chase after him, then God moments will start to happen around about you. And the more they start to happen around about you, the more you'll start to recognize when it's a God moment. And the more you start to recognize God moments, you actually recognize, actually, they're actually happening all the time. Because if we go back to that omnipresent thing, he is everywhere all the time, which means he's working in every relationship all the time. We just need to stop and recognize them. And part of recognizing them is about get us getting intimate with him. And as our intimacy with him gets more, we start to recognize his characteristics and his characteristics start to rub off on us. We become more loving, generous, prayerful. We, we become all these things. So draw closer to him and watch the opportunities come. It's just not complicated. It's not scary. It's just doing what God is actually calling us to do. One thing that I always love to remember is the fact that if Jesus said it in the Bible that everybody is to go into the world and preach the good news, he didn't actually make a mistake. He didn't go, everybody that's actually an evangelist and all the other rest of you will just ignore this piece of scripture that I'm writing. I probably got it wrong anyway, you know, because he makes loads of mistakes in scriptures, doesn't he? No. When he said everybody, he meant everybody. 
Now, some people are called to be evangelists in a specific way, but we're all called to share the good news that he is doing in our lives with those around about us. You know? It's not scary. It's just doing what God's calling us to do. Love thy neighbor so that his kingdom will come. Amen? All right, so is that all right? Yeah, just a few things I'd mark. One of the things I believe as an evangelist is that one of the primary callings of an evangelist is to teach about evangelism. To equip, yeah. Why is it a job of the evangelist to equip? Because it's the job of all the saints to go into the world and preach the good news. So I just love the opportunity to share some of the, the wisdom that I've gleaned from him 